Yeah. Can you hear my chair? He's <laughs> a little bit. Squeak, little bit. squeak, squeak, squeak. <laughs> sound, it sounded like that. Look, that chair's got miles on it, okay? She's seen some things mm. in this office. I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> yeah, she's seen some things in this office. Not those kind of things. We've been trying to get rid of her. Oh, it, it sounds like those kind of things. I know. That's the... I'm going to throw it in the... Look, I've tried. <laughs> the right. <laughs> it's like a good luck. Hey, uh, yeah, we, every time we've tried to get rid of it, it has made its way back to the office. To the, back to the night. It's back here. It for it's us. come back to us. Like I don't. I've literally given it to the warehouse. I've given it to uh, like anywhere in this in this building. I've tried to get rid of it, and even putting by the back door to get it thrown out. And somehow it manages to make its way back here. It's like it knows. It belongs here. And I'm like, okay, I guess this will just be like our special guest chair. <laughs> so whenever we have someone in here who's not like a manager or who's not like, you know, our typical clientele in here, mm-hmm. we'll just put, we'll have them sit in the nice chair and they just roll it right up. And it's not as intimidating, I guess. Interviews. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Here's the nice chair to sit in. So, yeah. You can sit right there. That's calm. You could take a seat. <laughs> right there. Well, I mean, when you come in the office, you see Cam's chair and you're like, damn, that looks really comfortable. Like, man. And, She's already made it clear that she's taking this chair with her when she leaves. She bought this chair. That's her chair. Man, baby. Oh, well, this chair really does serve a purpose then. Yeah. Because it can just slide right there after. I guess so. It's, it's, you know, the next person in. Yeah, the next person in. That's their chair for it. Because that one's staying back there. We'll see what I could do with this chair. I I originally got that chair and, and wanted that one because the... Arm oh, yeah. goes up. So if you like don't want to have your arms there or if you gotta be up close on the desk or up close on the cameras and you could just move those armrests. So do I ever move them? No. No. Because I need a breath. No. Because I, I need a breath. But you know. Now that I'm done giving you the spiel about the chairs in our office. Well, I mean, I thought it was part of the show. <laughs> Is it? We're just I mean, it's already going. It's a comfortable conversation. <laughs> what are we? 15 minutes in? Welcome to the dirty mic. Yeah, welcome. Thank you for having us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. See how everything shuts down when you make it official? Yeah. Oh, now you're on air. You've been on air. It's The mic's been hot. It's been hot. Yeah, it's been Dirty, not so much. That's questionable. Mike stays hot here. I I think the reason it's called the dirty mic is just so it's not, you can say whatever you want, basically. Not that it's dirty talk. Just, it's a raw experience talking about whatever you want to talk about. It's a safe Office chairs with (laughs) folding arms, (laughs) squeaks. We've talked about beer. Parenting. Yeah, my favorite People's episode is that. Parenting? Yeah. Yeah, Corey, listen to it. I tried looking for it. Corey's this person. Oh, I know, we need to just <laughs> edit that out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you on this and you haven't heard an episode. I know. It's <laughs> kidding. He cut it. Just... No, 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 no. I'm just trying to make it not go fast. It's a blocker. Yeah. No. Corey was telling me, he was like, wow, Mo doesn't even sound like Mo. And I was like, well, I guess it's the mic quality, Corey. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some editing involved. But at the same time, when you're hearing your own voice after it's already happened, yeah, it sounds a little different. Plus, trying to clear out the noise and stuff like that makes your voice sound slightly different. But huh. Just tells me that not everybody has voices in their heads. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, that's probably one of my favorite <laughs> topics of discussion. I didn't know until. I had a voice in the head. Yeah, like Elaborate on two years ago mm. that people could actually hear themselves in their head. Like the internal monologue. Oh, man. I wish my head was that quiet. Do you have an internal monologue? No. When you read a book, whose voice do you hear? I just make it up. I right. So you can assign read, character yes, a different voice? Yes. I, I don't know if that's just how I grew up because when I was growing up, my dad used to do character voices. Mm -hmm. Like he would do different things. And I think in my head, when I read different, because I read a lot, I read mm -hmm. a lot of books and it ranges from dirty, disgusting romance novels mm -hmm. all the way to like, you know, The Hobbit. So it, it, my range of books is, is a lot. So whenever I think, because I like high fantasy books and I like those types of novels, I do think of different voices and I think of different things. And I, I my ADHD, I don't think I can, that's why I have, I struggle with audiobooks because I don't like one voice. Right. I don't like to listen to one voice over and over again. And the audiobooks that I do choose, they are different. I have only listened to the dramatic adaptations of books. So it's, mm every character has an, a voice actor that you know oh absolutely it's for the book so yeah no i don't have one voice i guess technically that when when i read so are you able to like change the volume in your head like are you able to whisper or yell when you think in your head i feel like the voices in my head have more like different personalities you can like it, over time you've assigned to different personalities. Like, yeah. One will come in super hype, like, bitch, you better get this shit together. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing right now? Right. And then I have another voice that's like, look, show yourself some grace. Mm. Right. It's okay. Like the, the mom that you're, if you had to mother yourself, like there's a voice for that. Is it your voice or is it a different? voice or is it just like someone coming in there hype yeah like i'm thinking about it now i think it is my voice because i'm hearing myself right now through these headphones and i'm like oh yeah that is you bitch self-recognition <laughs> <laughs> yeah yep. like, okay that's that bitch yeah she came in today and she gave you what you needed to give right when you read do you read in your own voice or do you assign characters to See, i'm voices? thinking about it let me read something real quick there you go nutrition facts February. February 2024. That's, yeah, that's, that's me. That, that bitch. Yeah, it's, it's me for sure. And see, it's so fascinating, right? Because you're talking about how you have to assign your characters different voices. Yeah. Uh, and people who I know or have heard that do that don't like to go see movies mm. if they've already read the book. It's not because... They cut so much, much, much out <laughs> to uh, to make the movie in a timely fashion. It's that they assign different character voices than what you had in your head, mm -hmm. and it takes on a whole different world. Do you assign voices when you're reading a book? I think it's like different personalities that I form. So they do they sound different, or do they? They do sound different. It's like there will be like a hype one, one that whispers. It's like all different for me. And see, for me, I don't hear anything. What's that like? I, I don't know anything else. How do you imagine it? Like the story? It's just information. Like, I don't even... 
there's no voice. It's not even my own voice. It's just processing what the words are on the page mm. or I'll read it out loud. I love audiobooks, but they have to be audiobooks that assign the characters different voices. You know, if there's a bad narrator, it's like, yeah, it's immediate turn off. I can't. I love books. I love reading. I really love audiobooks, but I can't. I can't if there's a bad narrator. And when it's me, I even though I enjoy reading and absorbing the information, like it's not a fun thing. Yeah, I get it. Like, I think that's kind of why I struggled in school so much because you have to read all of those textbooks, and you're like, oh, I really don't want to read any of this, but you have to. And I get the processing the information. You're literally just reading it to look at the words and just hope that it sticks in your head for when you have to take a quiz or a test. And then as as I got further along, I guess, in school, it was more like everything's digital. So it's I open the quiz in one, one and open the book in the other and just control find what I'm trying to find in that point. So I'm not really learning it, but I wouldn't be really taking it any, in any way. And yeah. I'm more of like a, I am a visual learner. I have to have it physically in front of me. Um, and for it to really, really stick. So, yeah, I can, I can see where, like, reading it and then it just processing in your head, like, okay, this information needs to go in this folder in my mind because this is where I'm going to access it later for this quiz that I have. Also, I don't see that. No? No, I've heard a lot of people talk about the folders. Some people have a bookshelf. Some people go and have a different room that they, if I'm going to be doing this type of thing, they go over there mm. it's like oh I know I need to go get that and they describe it and I can imagine it because I can see like pictures sometimes movies but no sound it's just the thing like when I talk about something or recall information it's just wow yeah nothing just comes down from yeah mm. up in that magical place that I have no idea like when is it inside out <laughs> yeah my recall is like imagining like mm. Or not imagining, but like visualizing how it happened. Mm. And then I'll describe it based off of what I'm seeing. That's how my recall works. Like if I'm going to talk about what we ate for lunch, I and I want to tell somebody about it, I'm going to imagine how it happened, how I remember it happened. I can see it. And then I describe it that way kind of helps when you're writing stuff. Hmm. That's how my recall works. Ooh. Sorry. What? Nothing. Okay. It was a slam. Bam. The door. <laughs> you heard how you doing? I always hear it. Yeah, it's the door. That's the period on my uh, recall. <laughs> yeah, I I I'm I have ADHD and the way that my brain or how it is in my head um is it's like if I don't digital digitalize file folder it away, then it's more like a bowl of spaghetti in my head. Mm. And it's covered in sauce and all of that is just information. And I'm digging through it to try and find what I'm trying to trying to get across. And it it's a struggle for me. Imagine being a child trying to figure that out. Yeah. You know, we're adults and have had to do all the trial and error throughout the years and some of us don't even know that we have some of those 
learning disabilities or issues. Yeah, I, uh, I've spoken to my kids about it, but my wife, when, when I found out about it, I was talking to her because I thought everyone who could hear voices in there were obviously crazy. <laughs> like, they talk about it in news and movies and like the voices in their head told them to do something. I'm like, where are those? And when people I... are talking about, yeah, I could hear such and such, or I, I remembered this thing happening. I'm like, that pretty crazy. I need to stay away from them. I tell my wife about this, that people really do have voices in their head. Mm-hmm. Just, of course they do. Like, what's, what are you talking about? Why aren't you like that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you telling me that you don't have a voice in your head? Yes, that yeah, that's what I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. How do you do X, Y, and Z? And it turned into an hour-long discussion. Yeah. Halfway through, she's like, we have to go to the hospital. Like, you have something wrong. Something's wrong with you. Yeah. For like, not how, how is this? Not, n- everyone has this. And I, I think... The mind, man. It's easier for people who don't have an internal monologue mm. to understand that people do. Because when people who do have an internal monologue find out that I don't, they don't... Yeah. That's not possible. Of course you do. Don't you? And, like, you're talking about the folder system. So, no. Nope, not at all. But... Mm. It's also a blessing because, like, my wife hears or sees or goes over memories and pulls them back out and relives certain things. I don't have any of that. So I don't go back over. I don't have, like, videos or anything that just plays. I don't go over, like, historical stuff. I don't keep any of it. In your mind. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It just, I wake up happy every day. Of data, don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are. But it's there. I can recall it, and I can type it out like verbatim for. But you can't see it. Nope. You Visual. have a file system. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I can't go back and grab it. Mm-hmm. It's like in discussion, it comes up. I'm like, okay, I remember um, this. Yeah, not. It's just. It's just up there somewhere. Yeah, it comes like, out in words. Hashtag triggered. Right. <laughs> That's where the white been. Yeah. <laughs> That's where the information's been. <laughs> the mind is just. An interesting organ. Mm. I love it. And it's in psychology in general is just fairly new. You know, if you think back to practices and things that they used to do. Like lobotomies? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, your brain's messed up. Like, yeah, you know, in the night thing. Let's see what happens if you we stab and electrocute your brain. You yeah. know, let's see what happens then. That should shock some shit out of you <laughs> and get you straight, right? But that was all just testing. Like, we here's a theory. Where it is. Yeah, this might be it. This might be the one. And now, you know, even up to now, it's just all trial and error. And some of us are fortunate enough to get the help we need if we need it. Or we just let life be our teachers and and figure it out what works for us as we go. But circling back to how that impacts a child who doesn't have the full life experience or resources to figure it out, you know, how do they cope with it? And the parents don't want to talk to them. And the parents don't know how to cope with it. Yeah. Or don't believe them. Or don't believe them. Don't think it's real. And then they're implementing all these different things on correcting a certain behavior or a way that is the way that they think based off just what they feel might work, you know, or just not fully understanding what, what's going on. That music? Yeah. Yes. It's 
that's that. Like, what Super. is that? From outside. Oh, you guys. Oh, you guys have all oh, hearing background. Guys... I don't hear it at all. Oh, I you guys as well. I've been hearing the music the entire time. I just started hearing it. My ADHD. <laughs> I'm hyper aware of everything going on. Well, can we lower it down? Yeah. Hold on one second. Let's just take a quick break. Okay. Pacific Island. I'm from a Pacific. I'm from the Pacific. And then sometimes you'd be trying to say specific and Pacific in the same sentence, and it's like, bitch. It's a pick a word. Pick a pick a passage. <laughs> you know what? What book, book, book. the P or the S? What? I don't fucking know. Just shit. I just I got picked on for the dumbest stuff growing up, and it's like, and my mom was just like the backup to it. Like, oh, you can, you can't. It's specific, Chelsea, not Pacific. Right. And I'm like, okay, I still can't say. Like I said, I still can't. Arguing back with it's your parents. Oh yeah, terrible. Well, I can't. I can't. Well, I did get smacked. I can't say um, statistics. 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 I can say statistics, but I can't say statistics. Statistics. It just word vomit. Can't do it. I tried. Even when I was taken, I was like, it's stat. It's stat. It's a stat. It's a stat. Just cut that shit in. It's a stat. That's where all the... Stat. Got the stats. Yeah, it's stats. <laughs> that's where, like, all the... That's that's why we shorten words, because bitches can't say... <laughs> say they're like, shit, we're just going to call this a stat. <laughs> right? Well, it takes it difficult. Corey's like, you can't even say it. And I'm like, whatever. Is that all you got? Yeah. I've right. been saying the same thing for years, but... Mm, okay. Man. Like, English is the only language in Canada speak it. Like now, damn. Don't gotta come. Why you gotta? Yeah, that's always the fucking. You can't even speak English. What can you do? (laughs) It is unfortunate when you meet people that English isn't their first language, and they speak and they speak so much better Mm -hmm. and more intelligently. And even if they didn't, the ability to speak multiple languages fluently, Mm. like the skill of that having to switch back and forth because not everything translates a hundred percent so there has to there's like an additional part of their brain i feel like uh, that's how i visualize it where it's just fucking a switch and they got to figure out how do i say this in my language that makes sense in your language and they're processing that in real time Mm. what the fuck kind of genius shit is that my brain cannot yeah it's just Cannot. It's one thing if someone's born into a home that's bilingual mm. because they grow up their whole life with it. But people who go out and learn yeah. multiple, multiple languages and like have systems for how they do it yeah, and then keep all that stuff. Mm. I guess it's got to be, I mean, like I, I know people who are bilingual that they do it because it's like, you know, their loved one is, yeah. you know, also is speaking a different language. So that part I could get. I just... Kudos to the people out there that get up and like, wow, I really want to learn Japanese. And like, wow, I really want to know, you know Russian. <laughs> and I'm just like, the more power to you because that is not something that motivates me to get out of bed every day. <laughs> I was never the kid that was like, oh, I'm going to take Spanish in college. I'm like, I'm going to take choir. <laughs> right? I'm going to take choir for college. I'm going to just take the classes I need. <laughs> and I'm going to get out. <laughs> get out of here. Well, I never felt more motivated to learn my own native language or even any language until I took that flight to Korea and the flight attendants were were switching between different languages to figure out what the hell does this lady speak and I was just humbled by that like damn they have to 
go through this additional effort to figure out how to communicate with my one language ass. <laughs> you know, and, and barely they're speaking English. Yeah. And their ability to just do it, though. And I was like, wow, I need to I need to step my game up as a person of the world, not just as an American, you know, but just. A person. Okay, American. Yeah. And we don't, you know, Americans are known for it. Mm -hmm. One language, but there's so many cultures. Mm -hmm. It's true. Facts. So many cultures under one. So all of us being parents. I love the parenting topic. Mm. I told you I loved your parenting episode because it was super real and raw. And people will connect with that and even learn from it. But I also feel like there's different, there's levels to it, right? It's it's a lot. And we're all experiencing and learning in real time, too. For sure. There's no manual. No manual. And even in your own home. Yeah. One one thing will work for one, but it won't work for your second, your third, or in my case, my fourth. Right. <laughs> it, it's forever learning. It's like if you, it's like any relationship, if people treat the the relationship with their children like any relationship, you have to learn that person and how they work and how they tick, right? And they're always changing. Always changing. These kids are always changing it up. Like one day, one day they're into one thing and then and you're like, okay, cool, this is what's going to motivate them. This mm -hmm. is this is how I'm going to be able to, you know, manage discipline them or, you know, motivating them to do good. And then the next day, it's like, oh, I don't like Pikachu anymore. I don't like Pokemon anymore. I'm like, oh, we just spent this whole week playing Pokemon Go on your iPad and talking about Pikachu and, you know, getting you all this stuff. And you're like, I don't like Pokemon anymore. I'm like, it's not cool at school. <laughs> They're doing a new thing in school now. Anybody? Yeah. I don't even know. It's Creating their own language. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, how we pigeon talk? How we deal with uh, disagreements in our house right now between our oldest two is um, rock, paper, scissors. They are both now old enough that they know what rock, paper, scissors is. And so whenever they fight over, like, who gets, is it going to be the Trolls DVD or the Sonic DVD that gets played in the van? They have, like, best out of three, and they do rock, paper, scissors. And whoever wins gets that DVD, even though they'll probably sit on their iPad in the back of the car and mm. their iPad anyway. But who won? Just the thought of winning gives them a blue. Well, um, Olivia started doing this thing where she literally will do rock, paper, scissors, shoot. <laughs> and she's like, gun wins all. Oh, and I'm like, ah, you cheater. That's gangster. I'm like, you can't do that. She said, yeah, yeah she's careful with yeah, that That's like, no, you can't. She pulling out the guns on right? <laughs> she's like, gun drop like, everything. Like, I'm like, who taught you this? Because we didn't teach you this part. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. What are they doing at church talking tonight? <laughs> right? Who is Yeah, those outside influences on your children. Right. It's always scary. Mm. Yeah, I could tell you about some outside influences and my my daughter Go ahead. my daughter has said some interesting things. Uh so most of which most of the curse words that she knows are definitely from me and her father. <laughs> mostly, mostly her dad. Um, from his playing video games or just just how he is. I mean, he's a sailor. Mm. He's yeah. he's a cursor. I'm a cursor. <laughs> and uh yeah, she so she's picked up some stuff from us and uh sometimes it's more like okay you, 
you under she understands the context. Like we were going to the Gobang guy a couple weeks ago, and yeah. we went on like a mother daughter breakfast date, mm-hmm. and I took her to Starbucks. And there are these elevator uh, escalators that we have uh, at or the, the at our Gobang guy, and they don't work unless you motion unless you walk. Uh, yeah, motion sensors. Mm-hmm. So when you walk up against it. Um, that's when it starts. Yeah. And she came forward and she, it started and she got on. She's like, that scared the shit out of me. She's She's expressing herself. She's like, oh, mommy, that scared the shit out of me. And I'm like, okay, right context. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, I can't, I can't knock you for that because I'm probably going to say the same thing. <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, you know, we tell them like mainly her, we, we we tell her just don't don't say it at school. Like I have no problem with you expressing yourself. You know she'll call you a meanie. Um, she won't be mean. Like she won't say anything negative like that. But I've heard her uh, the first time I think she ever said motherfucker. I was like, where did you learn that? Because we don't use that the whole phrase in our house. <laughs> we don't use that whole phrase in our house. And um, she said I learned it from so-and-so at school and i'm like you know that makes sense yeah both their parents are yeah. active duty like <laughs> i understand that yeah, and i'm be saying it I, they do it's be cussing each other out for sure and honestly like god bless that preschool room at the cdc some of the stuff that i've heard that one of the teachers has told me like, those teachers are entertained honestly and <laughs> they love their job <laughs> and and it's it's so funny because they just they just drop those nuggets on them at different times and Weston it's more of like he copies what you say like you're like I'm gonna beat your ass if you don't put your clothes on that'd be someone according but like I'm gonna beat your ass if you don't put your clothes on <laughs> and he's just like you know you're not gonna beat my ass <laughs> <laughs> and he's right we're not yeah but it's it's so funny because the expression he's he's, yeah Yeah. he's repeating but she's actually understanding what she's saying (laughs) and i'm just like just don't say it at school like you know you could say that and wednesday to us yeah and and trying to teach your kids like the difference of at home in public because we all wear different faces yeah for whatever event calls for a certain face right and then you're trying to teach your it's part of being a part of society and you're trying to teach your kids that that's part of being in society, right? When you can and can't use this type of language at home or or certain behaviors or whatever, but I feel like it, it can get confusing for them as well. But I don't know when when do you draw that line, and when do you? I don't, I know that I struggle with like with my kids teaching them that part. And then having the fear of, like, wanting them to be good people and treat people well, right? And how do they maneuver in the world as good people knowing that there's all these outside influences that can take advantage of what you're trying to instill, the good you're trying to instill in your children, knowing that they also need some evil as well. Right. So you want to have a balance between letting them know how to say, fuck you, motherfucker. (laughs) And yeah, and when to use that and what situation to use it in. And also when to be like, oh, excuse me, that hurt my feelings. Like, when do you turn it on serious? When do you turn on your these different modes you have to tap into in order to survive the fucking the world? Right. 
And it's complete opposite from, you know, for me, for growing up, you know, cur- like cussing at all was like taboo. Like, Absolutely. If you cussed, like you are the worst person in the world. Look, I still don't, I don't cuss around my mom. And I'm fucking a grown ass woman with hella kids <laughs> and a whole husband and well, a whole life. And, and that's so funny to me. It's just like, why? Why were we raised that saying a certain word? Instead of teaching us the context and teaching us how to say it, you know, like any other word in your vocabulary, like, yeah, you don't walk around the world calling someone, you know, a bitch, you know, but at the same time, there are times that, like, you someone's acting like a bitch, yeah. you know, and it's like, I don't, you know, what, what, you know, I was raised that way. I was raised to, like, no, we don't cuss. We don't say those bad words. You can't, like, I was raised, you can't even say hell unless you're talking about it in a biblical. H-E double hockey stick. Correct. Sugar honey iced tea. I've never heard H-E double hockey, hockey sticks. Fist? They, yeah, never. No? Really? Yeah. Never heard that in my life. Wow. Mm-hmm. Sugar honey iced tea. Yep. Yeah. That's I don't have to do that. What are you saying? <laughs> like, what are you saying? He's like, hell. No, I'm like, that to me. I'll be like, what rap song is that? <laughs> that the new Tupac? Right? Yeah. Like, personally, you know? well, like, I, what is it? It does come back from what you're saying about your children saying it in the home and you're giving them a safe space, right? Yeah. But if you look at the, the generations previously and how you won't swear in front of your mother. Mm-hmm. But you know how to swear. I uh, sure do, Mike. No one, no one taught you Mm-mm. how to swear. It's something that you learn. And drawing that line of, I would say, previous generations for parenting that you don't say those things. Of course, they hear it, but you don't say it. Yeah. And maybe that's part of where they, they being us. Yeah. Learned that. This is a word used for serious things and not for children. Yeah, I feel like at home. And, oh, I'm sorry. Go, no, please, go ahead. No, finish, finish, please. I've already lost my train. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like, you know, I said, no, I, I guess I'm not, but not that anything's wrong, because we, we, there is no guidebook for how to parent. Mm-hmm. And I was talking today with my buddy Norm about how he wants this safe space for his children. And that's the home. His children are grown now, but yeah. how he wanted to always have this safe space and to come over and them feel comfortable in themselves and be allowed to scream and have fun and do all these crazy things that they can't do outside because he didn't want to be home. And I know we were talking off mic previously, but me trying to make my home whatever type of safe space but also wanting them to go outside. I wanted to get out. All I wanted to do was leave. Yeah. And trying to make a space that's different, right? So that they want to stay. But if they want to go out feeling differently, like, well, why don't you, you know, at this point now they want to be home. Yeah. And I didn't think about it. As a positive thing, he was just like, wow, how lucky, how great for you that, you know, your children want to be home. Yeah. And they want to have this safe space. So that it's all the positivity behind it where I'm almost fearful. Like, man, why aren't they going out? Why aren't they going out and having time with their friends? And then when they want to go and have time with their friends, it's when I want to spend time with them. Yeah. And overanalyzing or, or bringing it in. But they're learning and being their own people. Right. 
but I never thought about the positive side of it, of, wow, you've made a safe space that your children want to be home. And it clicked today. It was just a random discussion, but yeah, that's right, because all I wanted to do was be out of the house. Yeah. And for them to feel safe, or I, I thought it was laziness. All they want to do is play their video games and they don't want to go outside. But there are people, including stuff, that, you know, you just want to be out there. Like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. Mm. Even if it was playing video games, if it was a hellhole, mm. they wouldn't want to be there. Yeah. yeah. Hey, do you want to go do this? No. I'm going to stay home. Yeah. I, I know that for me, too, one of my deepest fears as a parent is that um, my kids don't come home. You know, or they don't, they don't feel like they can download on us and they end up turning to outside sources, right? I think a lot of parents feel that way and they hope that they can create that safe space. I, I like that description of it. You want your home to be their safe space, right? And... That is one of my biggest fears. They turn to the streets. They turn to drugs. They turn to random women or men <laughs> to find what they should be getting at home. Because I know for myself, too, like my experience growing up, I just remember wanting to escape. That was the goal. Get the hell out of here and don't look back. And even at 35, I just feel like I could make a home anywhere, right? I don't necessarily need to be tied down to one place or one, my family, my blood family. I can live my life separate and create a space for my, my family that is different than what I came from. And I definitely look at my kids and I sometimes feel jealous, but I also feel healing because I know that they're they're getting something that I wish I had and through that there's healing like my my third son he can he'll tell me anything hmm. right he'll just come and be like mom I need to tell you something and I'll be like oh shit <laughs> what the fuck happened he's eight years old would you break me <laughs> what happened he has we try our best to make it so that we talked about lying the other day, right? Lying's such a big thing. <clears throat> Once your kids start lying to you, it just it, it can snowball. And if we can get them young to just start telling us the truth and start building that relationship and that culture with them where they're like, I could tell my mom the truth or my dad the truth and I can go to them. Um, you feel like you kind of protect them in that way, too. Yeah. Because they're sharing their secrets with you, right? So you have to be able not to judge them as well or have your own knee-jerk reaction to whatever it is they're telling them, but try and be, give them advice as best as you can based off of what they're giving you, but also let them know if they're wrong. And how do we do that while also trying to discipline him and you know if he came in and was like i stole a candy bar i'm like oh i'm a whoop you was it right next i know the go back and look the knee jerk reaction right back then like in my household if i came home and was like 
I stole something. Like it was, it was designed for me to lie just to protect myself. You don't want your kids to lie to you and feel like they have to, to protect themselves. But you know, if they can come and, and, and give you the truth and unload on you and, and feel safe to disclose what's going on with them, you kind of feel good about it, but you may not get that with every one of your kids. It's a hard fucking balance, man. I got four of them, hmm. all different personal, different personalities. One will come to me and tell me the truth. Yeah. He'll be like, "Hey, I got this shit going on, mom. You gotta fucking help mine." <laughs> okay. oh, I did this shit yesterday. I got a red mark, and my teacher's like, "I'm a fucking call your mom." <laughs> gotta let you know, this is what happened. Hey, <laughs> I got one who he won't offer the information, right? But if I directly ask him and tell him not to lie to my face, he'll tell me the truth. I got another one who's just too young. He's like, I don't know, I guess. <laughs> My five-year-old who's like, yeah, mommy, I did it. What the fuck are you going to do about it? Because mm. he's the youngest and got that swag. And then my oldest one, whew, Lord have mercy. Couldn't pay him to tell you the truth. Couldn't pay him to tell me a goddamn thing. <laughs> he's like, uh, let me see. And he'll lie with the straightest face. Look me in my eye. Don't care about no consequences. You got to catch me first, mom. And I'm like, did I do that? Did I make him into a fucking liar? Did I beat him, you know, harder than he deserved? Probably because I was a young mom. It was my first child. And that's what I knew. Yeah. I knew that spanking worked. I didn't know that it worked for me because I lived in fear. Right. I didn't get to analyze that till a little bit further down the road. Yeah. Started getting an education and learning about how how it affects your development, you know? And then now I'm like, fuck, I fucked him up on that part. This is why this motherfucker lies to me all the goddamn time. It's my fault, right? Like, it is it. Yeah. He had too many consequences, too many physical, physical discipline techniques used on him. And now he's like, I don't trust you, bitch. <laughs> you say you're going to have my back, but I don't know, you know? And I'm like, fuck, I fucked up, right? But how do I undo that? He's still young. Enough. How do I undo that without, without him going into his shell? Yeah, let's come out and and you can trust me. And I was younger then, and I'm trying to do better now, you know. But with him, it's definitely a journey, and I've had to learn patience. And he's in a interesting space right now. He's going through puberty. He's learning about girls. He's starting to have girlfriends and. Figuring out that dating is somewhat cool, and I don't know. I, he The way people describe him from school and and his friends is different from how I know him at home. So I have a lot of fear for that one. Is it is it a scary having teenagers? Like, you know, our parents used to tell us growing up, you know, oh, just wait till, <laughs> wait till you have kids of your own and they're teenagers. They're, and is it really? Lessons. Is it really <laughs> that scary to have teenagers now? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said I was so nervous. I'm so nervous for my son to grow up. I I mean, it's a, me being a father versus a mother, the nervousness might be a little different. You were talking earlier about faces mm-hmm. and how they have to show different faces. Or you have to, pardon me. Yeah, but do. Yeah, but then they have to learn how to do that. And does your son go to public school, right? Mm-hmm. So learning learning the different faces or how to lie, mm-hmm. how to get what he needs to get 
or do what he needs to do in school. It's part, it's part of life, you know? And for me, the nervousness, it's a reflection of me and my parenting. So I'm not, I'm not sure if it's the same for you, but I can see being nervous about how they grow up as a reflection of yourself. And if you fail, but going back to your oldest and the faces and the line, I know we talked about it previously, but in my experience, and I know you guys know, but like what I do for a living, having interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people, right? the parents know the least mm. about their children. The children, and it's not because the parents aren't trying or trying to protect their kids. But the biggest, baddest person in the house who provides everything that you want and need and also judges you the most can also be your best friend, but it's always the positive, the side, the face that they want to show you doesn't want to jeopardize any of that. Yeah. So I can see you have to lie to make it through life. That's just a fact. Yeah. Whether it's, does this dress make me look fat? <laughs> does it can? Do be. you have any spare money? I'm short on. <laughs> Some random person like, hey, do you do you have a dollar? I need to get on the bus. Oh, sorry, man. Nope, no, just card. Yeah. I know nowadays they. Oh, I have a card reader. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. that'll work. <laughs> it's a different phase, and if you look at going to phones, which I know we talked about previously before too, but. My children don't swear in the home. Mm, yeah. Though I do. Yeah. But I also don't swear. Like, if I'm swearing, they know that they fucked up. Mm. Like, yeah, cuss them out. Because if it, it comes to that, they already know. Reverting. Mm -hmm. But having teenagers, I, can't, I haven't answered your question yet. But <laughs> okay. having, having teenagers and seeing the mistakes from zero to 10 and then 10 moving into their teen years like 15 and plus <laughs> and being able to adjust and then see the adjustments take fate yeah come to the surface building the trust to be able to be okay like you were saying about the lying yeah like don't don't lie to don't me. don't lie to me if you tell me the truth you're not gonna get in trouble for it Especially if I'm asking about it. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, you tell me the truth, it's all right. Yeah. But if you don't and I find out, there's consequences. Yeah. But trying to instill the just tell me what happened before I find out. Then you'll be fine. Yeah. My son broke his iPad screen. Oh, man, let me tell you about how many screens I've seen broken. For sure. But just, just recently. Yeah. I'm in his room. Just plugging stuff in. And he's always on his iPad. Yeah. But I've seen him using his phone. Mm -hmm. well, the switch up. Yeah. What happened? What's up? What's there? And his iPad's face down mm -hmm. on the shelf. It's never on the shelf. <laughs> never. All of <laughs> and I'm, sudden. I'm reaching for the iPad. And pulling it up, and he's just looking at me. <laughs> and it's like, I'm caught. Too late. Mm. And I flip it over, and it's broken. Uh. 
How long's this been broken? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I, I don't know. Like this many days, a week, mm-hmm. two. What? You've had how long to let me know before water gets in and ruins everything? Yeah. Mm. And then we, you know, use it as a teaching moment. But yeah. You didn't tell me the truth. Yeah. You held it from, I'm so, you're sorry now and you're telling me how and. Because you got caught. But you got caught and it's past that. Mm -hmm. Like, how do we learn by making mistakes? Okay. And then what am I going to, what should we do about this? And he's like, I guess I have to be, you know, grounded from Fortnite from, (laughs) I'm like, okay, how long? I don't know, like a week? Like, (laughs) You said it, not me, buddy. You're not in any trouble. You're going to punish yourself way more than I was going to. I was going to say today. Yeah. <laughs> Can you think about the problem that, you know, you think about what actually happened on in, in the big picture, you know? It's like, yeah. okay, it's, it's an iPad. They get broken all the time. The screens get broken. I just, you have broken screens all the time, and then that one got broke. I don't know what my children are doing to yeah. not break theirs because yeah. our iPad screens rarely get broken i don't know and i've seen these kids eat them across the room step on them i don't know if it's yeah. the extra case that we have okay. is that amazon special case that will know i know for a fact my kids are punching their screens saying right? that's where my are they get frustrated and they just go ahead and re- resort to violence i don't know if it's because they're boys and naturally they just there's some additional animalistic tendency to just re- want to resort to violence <laughs> um but yeah they are definitely punching their screens and that's definitely something that my oldest would not offer the information up on it's yeah. one of those things i just have to stumble upon and be like this is why you got the 40 dollar amazon fire tablet not no damn like that and when you can take care of this $40 item, then we can start discussing whether or not you can get something of more value. Mm-hmm. But show that you can even take care of your stuff first. And I think um, kind of to circle back to what you were talking about with, um, what were you saying? Having teenagers scare the crap out of me. I'm so scared for Olivia to be a teenager. <laughs> I, I, I do think that the fear of teenagers and also going to your non-broken screen when the kids are upset, I can only assume they either come to you and let you know because you're still that comfort blanket of everything that and, mm. that's wrong. Mom and dad will make it better. Yeah. But as I get older, they start to think that they, like my son always calls himself a man now. Mm. I'm a man. What? <laughs> well, tell me, tell me what a man is, son. You know, let me know what a man does, right? And he's just, I'm a man, mom. Got hair on my balls. I'm a man. (laughs) Like, that's how he'd be talking. I'm like, oh, God, how much more of this can I take? I can't (laughs) take this shit. Right? You don't shower like a man. Yeah, for real. You put on underarm on deodorant like a man because it don't smell like it. You ain't washing them underwear, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah, these. Good. Here's the laundry basket. Take care of this. He knows, like. My boys, they know how to do the home skills. Like, they have to. It's just one of those things where it's like, it's a life skill, bro. Uh, you you got to do it for yourself. You got to take care of your stuff eventually. So you're going to learn it. You're going to learn all the same skills. You're going to have all the same value, right? But, yeah, when it comes to the freaking, the lying stuff, 
Yeah, I'd, I'd be telling my son, like, I'm here. willing to let you learn the hard way if that's the way that you're choosing. And I feel like I'm coming to a point, he's, he's still young. Mm. My son, he's still young. He's 12. Yeah. Right? But you start to see that he, they're, they're, he's, defi- he's becoming defiant. He wants to push the lines. He don't like, he don't like the rules. Anything that I say, he want to do the opposite of. Anything his dad says, he's definitely not going to listen to that shit. He knows better. He's at that age, that, and I think it is the teenage years, like the preteens to the teenage years where they just are defaulting to my parents don't know anything. I know everything. Mm. And I don't need to listen to whatever advice is coming from these two people. And we've talked about like yeah. the community where they need to talk to somebody to help them, you know, see that this is why your parents are communicating this way or about whatever. Help them understand another avenue of people or community that helps them be a a source for them to download too. Yeah. Right. Uh, And he, I just... I just feel like there's going to become a there's going to come a time in parenting where you're just going to have to let go as a parent. I feel like I feel like it's it's going to be in these years. Somewhere along the way, I'm just going to have to bear through it and hope for the best and hope that he learns whatever he needs to learn even if it's hard. And because we're their parents, it's going to be hard for him, but it's also going to be hard for us having to watch it. So I'm like mentally preparing now with him because there's just. Have you told him? I have told him. We've had many conversations where it's just, Adrian, look, man, you have resources in your home. Not many people do. You have a mom, you have a dad who genuinely care about your well-being and want to offer you every piece of advice we could possibly give you. Every wisdom we've had to learn the hard way is here for you. And if you don't want to take it, you got to understand that is your choice. Your choice. Yeah. You're making that decision, Mr. Man. (laughs) You the fucking man, that's your decision, right? And if you don't want to take it, again, your choice. And I'm more than willing to let you learn the hard way. If if you want the hard path, it's going to be hard, bro. You kind of suffer. Or you can do your best to be a student of life, try and take heed to the wisdom that's being given to you, and make decisions based off of that in your personal experiences. You're only getting older. You're not getting younger. And every time you step up in that age level, yeah. good luck. I hope it clicks. I tell my kid, my, my oldest son, all the time now that you, I'm just here to keep you out of jail. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're already, you're a man. But then he also has to let you sure. help him keep him out of jail. Well, on that, though, the... Especially, I would say, with boys, but on that, the things that 
parents tell you to do mm-hmm. is normally the thing that they don't want to do. Mm. And if you tell them they can't do it, that is what they want to do. That's where I'm and at. It's straight for that. So I'm it's I'm not gonna tell you what to do. Yep. It's tell me what's going on and I'll help you. Don't tell them. Don't give a statement. Don't go bearing your soul to someone who doesn't care about you. Yeah. Tell me and I can help you because you only got two years left. Yeah. And then it's all on you, homie. Where are you going to go? Because I can't protect you once you turn 18. See, I feel like my son doesn't believe that. I feel like he doesn't. I feel like he doesn't believe when I tell him that. He's like, mm, I don't know, mom. I don't think you really know what you like. The other day, he told me I know so much for nothing. He was like, How do you know all these things? Like, you know all these things for no reason. I'm like, No, I know it. You, yeah, to help your dumb at. Not just kidding. He's <laughs> not dumb, but he definitely is at an age where it's like you're gonna I know they're gonna do stupid things and I'm just thinking god damn I'm gonna have to go through this four times you know like my stomach no nowhere near as bad as my kids going because they see what happens with the brother yeah and it fall in line boys they will they will Mm -hmm. my son my youngest son knows like if it's something that the older brother got in trouble for. Can't do that. And he remembers it. He'll just write on cue. Yeah. Uh, this is what happened. And yeah, these are the things. That shit. And I just wanted to let you know. He got his pros and cons. You you probably already know mm-hmm. this happened. Yeah. I do. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you for telling me. <laughs> and you told me before I asked you about it. So. Yeah. I guess the rules still stand, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, I think like, I'm, I, sorry. Please, I I think I'm I'm, I think I'm scared of Olivia becoming a teenager because I have no, uh, nothing to pull from. Like, you know, with with my boys, I'm kind of pulling from just watching how my brother was raised I guess and like you know how how different that was for him versus me and how I'm I'm a pretty laid-back parent and I get told that a lot even though my kids are younger like five and five almost four and then Ryder will be two this um in March so I'm I'm a relatively laid-back parent every time they call me about someone falling getting sick I'm pretty chill. Like, I I understand things happen, you know, they fall, they hurt themselves, they do stupid stuff, they hit each other, they be, you know, whatever. And I'm I'm pretty, you know, non-helicopter when it comes to that. But I think because I I think of the big picture and I think about how, you know, these are small things in their life. These are small blips in their life. And I, and they're not going to remember half this stuff. Um, But I have nothing. I have nothing to pull from positive wise on how to raise a teenage daughter and that with the way society is and social media and how things are it is terrifying that all the bad things that happened to me as a teenager and all the bad stuff that happened to me even as a young young adult as a young woman could possibly happen to her and that thought wrecks me like it scares me to death because I can't like you said you know you got two years you know, your son's got two years left of you protecting him. And the the thought of 
her, me not being able to protect her even before she's older. It, it it's it's terrifying. I'm going through it now with her starting elementary school, and we're going back to the states, and I'm scared. Yeah. I'm scared to death of her being in school, and I'm grateful that we're going to be in Washington, and I'm grateful we're going to be in a nice area. But that doesn't stop anything. There are pedophiles galore everywhere, and unfortunately, something I've learned in the military community is that they're your neighbors doesn't matter if you're in a gated military community they're your neighbors and her not being able to you know finding a new daycare and having to put my trust in these daycare teachers having to put my trust in these people that are going to be in her life and I have those same same fears for my son and my youngest son um but my middle son uses his voice if he doesn't like something and he's you know almost four he will tell you He'd be like, no, I don't like that. No, that isn't right. No, like he he's he's a little bit he's quick. He's a very smart boy, and he will tell you if he does not like something. Olivia is very shy. She's very to herself. Mm-hmm. Um, like the other day when you offered her a cracker that I knew and she knew she was not going to eat, she still accepted that cracker, said thank you, and then handed it to me, knowing she's not going to eat it. So th- she's a pe- she's already showing the people pleasing skills, and. That's scary to me because I can only protect her so much and I don't have any positive parenting, I guess, when I was growing up as a teenager because I was grew up in a sheltered, very sheltered home. Um, that the way that I was parented and the way that I was disciplined as a young woman, as a young teenage girl, was not how is not how I want to do that. And I want to create a safe space for her and but at the same time, you know, I can only control so much, and it's a hard balance. I just want to encourage you from an outside view. I know you guys know her far better than I do, but from a very far outside perspective, the things that you'd want to see, such as being kind, saying thank you to someone who's senior to them, accepting thank you for the cookie, and you and her both knowing she wasn't going to eat it, to let her know that that you know that was really good by the way yeah yeah and you're not supposed to eat it but you were great job you you know you said thank you you handed it to me you can tell me those things I'm here for you mm. reinforcing the positivity that was handling it in the right situation you didn't eat the cookie yeah she accepted it you she knows her yeah but even if she didn't. She was more of an acquaintance, such as the preschool or CDC person that you're concerned about. Like, But you can always come tell mom. Yeah. Or you can always come tell dad. Hey, someone gave me this and this is what it is. Yeah. You know, there there is a positive side to that. I, I just want to say, I think you're, not that your fears are misplaced, but just know that those fears are natural because we don't want to fail as a parent and have them get hurt. But... From what you just said, like the situation seemed to have been handled in an extremely positive way. Not that there was fear involved in it, but you're associating it with things that you're fearful about. If she, oh dang, she's that's my middle. your youngest one then ate that cookie. I, I <laughs> that cookie, girl. Yeah, yeah. If she is shy, not having to, not telling her you have to speak up for yourself. You know, yeah. you can. 
take it as or encourage the behavior in the way that be tentative. Yeah. yeah. Great job. You should be worried if an adult's giving you something. Thanks yeah. for letting me know. You don't have to eat it. And if you feel uncomfortable, don't forget you can just Yeah. No thank you and leave. That is one of the biggest challenges of parenting though. The kind of trying to check your want to be protective of your children and then try and build them up so they can learn how to protect themselves. You know, and for girls, I mean, three of us here are women and we've all had our experiences where we didn't have someone who advocated for us that should have and had to find our own voice to advocate for ourselves, right? And many parents that I've spoken to and that I've gotten to learn from always talk about just giving your kids the tools to be able to to do it for themselves. You know, not not helicopter mom, but let them go ahead and ju- just be at a safe distance from them so you can reiterate positive behaviors or good things in your relationships where she feels like, I know I can go to my mom and give her this cookie and she's going to know what's up. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, she tells me she gets stormies. She tells me she gets stormy clouds, but she won't tell. She's like, don't tell dad. <laughs> She's like, I don't know. Stormy clouds. She has a behavior chart that she gets. Behavior charts, man. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Start. And uh, she gets sunshines if she's been, you know, great all day. Um, and then if she's had like a kind of a rough bit where she's not really listening, she gets uh, cloudies. And then they have storm clouds, which is like the third level. Kind of like how they do red. They're they're on red or they're on yellow or they're on green. Yeah. Uh, same, same kind of concept uh, for behavior charts. So. She'll tell me when she gets a stormy or or a cloudy. When she gets a cloudy, she's never had a stormy. When she gets a cloudy, but she won't tell her dad. She's like, no, dad's just, dad's going to be upset. He's not going to give me my Furby. Because behavior-wise, that's what she's working towards. It's a little mini Furby. So, um, yeah, but I'm glad she feels comfortable with me. We're just, you know, and I get that. I'm her person and I'm very aware that I'm her person and because I'm mom, I'm, I'm, you know, all three of the kids is person, honestly, right now. And, you know, dad's always kind of been the more disciplinary figure in our house. I mean, traditional. Yeah. Very, it's very traditional. Um, I'm hella untraditional. Well, and you know, <laughs> for, there's nothing wrong, there's there's no nothing wrong with that. I, I, but I'm their security blanket. Yeah. They're sick. They're clung. They stuck to me like glue. Yeah, they're, if they don't feel good, um, if anything is wrong at all, and don't get me wrong, they will go to Corey. Like if mm-hmm. they if they hurt themselves or something's broken, they need it to be fixed. You know, they immediately go to their dad. If they fall down and hurt their knee, it's dad that they want. It's like something like that, and they get hurt, they want their dad. But if they're sick, they don't feel good. They're just kind of off. I'm their comfort, and so. Anytime they get in trouble at school or like anytime, well, the youngest one doesn't get in trouble because everyone thinks he's just the cutest thing since, you know, bread. So whatever. So he just gets away with everything because he walks around. He literally walks around like boss baby. Yeah. He, I was going to make him boss baby for Halloween because he fits it. (laughs) The swag, the, the, the kind of like attitude. That's, that's Ryder Evan right there. Mm. Thousand percent. He's got it. At two years old, yeah. my middle son has doesn't know a stranger, which also scares the crap out of me. <laughs> he will go up to any person, and I mean anyone, at a random. We were at a random restaurant, 
he would just come up to someone. He would just be like, if he was here, he would just come in and be like to you, Hi, I'm Weston. And he'll like touch you. He has no personal space. <laughs> he literally came around here and came came right to Asking camp. Asked me all the questions. Oh, yeah. I wanted he, to hug that boy up and he does. treat him like my own. <laughs> you know? And it's so funny because it, it baffles me. It's scary because he doesn't know a stranger, but also I'm very grateful how friendly he is. And he's the opposite yeah. of his sister, mm-hmm. complete opposite of his sister. I feel like that's just the innocence of children, too. But like, Weston, stop the... touching people. Stop yeah. touching people. Don't touch people. Oh, he's got that one kid that's a toucher boy. He is. Yeah. He would touch people. When he was when he was younger, younger, he would, um, he liked looking at people's purses. He wanted to go through. Yeah. Like, that's where the candy or the money is. Right? He likes money. He does. He, yeah. he likes. He's always had a fascination with um, Corey's cat cart. He likes he likes his cat cart. He's like, Daddy, Daddy. Like, <laughs> he likes his picture or the Costco cart that's got the picture on the back. So he, he's always been obsessed with like going through people's bags. And I'm like, Bud, you can't go through people's bags. <laughs> like, you're too, like, I love how friendly you are. I love that you don't know a stranger and then everyone is so, you know, and he's in that colored, you know that world that yeah. no one's ever been made to. All good and flowers and rainbows. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, buddy, you just can't touch people. Please stop touching people. They're learning, especially here in Japan. <laughs> Please stop touching people. <laughs> They'll come up and like touch your kid. They like, do. Some old ladies will walk up to me and look at my son in the face, and they're like, "Kawaii," and they'll like squeeze his cheeks. I was like, "Oh my god, this is normal here." Yeah. I need to get used to it. <laughs> Touch their hair. Yeah. <laughs> if they have blonde hair. Oh, yeah. My kids get it all the time. And they always ask me if Olivia, well, they always ask me if Olivia and Weston are twins. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Just very close in age. Very. They're 18 months apart. Yeah. But they're not twins. And now that Olivia's much, looks much bigger than Weston, I don't get it as much. Yeah. But beforehand, I mean, Olivia looked like a boy for the longest time. She didn't even get, like, really get hair until she was, like, three and a half. Uh, it was it was rough. Like, yeah. I look at the picture progression from when we first got here, and that girl had as much as hair as my two-year-old has. I'm always fascinated when groups of, like, siblings or children look very similar. Because mm. all of my kids look completely different. They really do. They look like they got different dads. I'm like, I don't have four baby dads. I got one mm-hmm. or maybe two. <laughs> maybe, yeah, but yeah, they they all look different, and they, they're all different. They're their own individual people. That's so freaking true. My uh, on the opposite side of the spectrum, but my kids being older, yeah, my young. They, I get asked all the time if my youngest and my middle son are twins. Wow, and there's a two year age gap. Mm-hmm. And one's turning twelve, and one's turning fourteen, and they're the same height. Wow! Yeah, man, the genetics fit differently. And you're fourteen, you're like, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's he's huge. <laughs> he's just huge, twelve year old. That's gonna be a writer. I'm gonna catch up real fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Ugh. How old are your kids? My son is three, and I'm having one on the way. I'm glad. Like, uh, I was thinking about the topic you were talking about, being a girl mom, and it's always scared me because, like, childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I can't have a daughter. Because even if you trust your parent, like, 
I could tell my mom anything, but yeah. like if anything happened to me, I wouldn't go to my mom and be like, you know, this happened, this and this. Because it's like a power thing. Like they've stripped your power from you and being able to hold that like tight to your chest is like, okay, I still have power. Like I can control oh, right. who knows what happened to me and what like the trauma that it's given me. And then like I never opened up about my childhood trauma until like my husband now. Wow. And when he found out, he like, I can't wait. I want to kill him. Like, yeah. as bad as it sounds, he's like, I just want to kill him. Yeah. And even like, like I, he encouraged me to like, actually like tell my mom about it. And my mom was like, why didn't you tell me all these years? Like, you're telling me now and I can't do anything about it because it happened like so long ago. Yeah. And it just like broke me. That's like, that's why it makes me so scared to have a daughter. That's when they're like, you're having a boy. I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I the right, and my first child is a girl. So it's like, not only am I winging it at yeah. parenting, I'm winging it with a girl. Yeah. I'm terrified. I'm like so scared. Like, you know, I feel like you can you can mess up a girl way more than you can yeah. mess up a boy sometimes. And that's probably, you know, very mythical. It's not very true. You can mess them up the same Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like my sons are super emotional, though, too. And but going back to what you're talking about with mm -hmm. trauma, it also made me think about how your own trauma kind of dictates how you parent as well. Absolutely. For the longest time. And I, I don't like to disclose too much about the stuff that I've been through. Mm -hmm. But none of my kids have ever been in childcare or in the care of family members except for my mom, yeah. my brother, or my sister. And that is my, I know it's my experience growing up that dictated that decision. And I don't know if it hurts them or it helped them, but it also, it's, I know it's my distrust of people yeah. that I'm pouring into them, you know, and having a girl, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine the same yeah. fears that you're talking about having a daughter and knowing the pain that you had to suffer through mm -hmm. in what you went through. And how you kept it to yourself. Yeah. And the power that you felt you had from keeping it to yourself. Controlling who knew and who knew. Yeah. It didn't even happen if you don't know about it. Yeah. That's what that's what I had to do. Because even if, like, at a young age, even if it did happen to me and if I did tell someone, it's a family member, so I got to see them every day. Yeah. And I'm just like, if I tell them what what is this family member, me? it's like, what what are they going to do? Send them to jail? Like, I don't I yeah. think, like. They're like, it's nothing's going to happen. They're just going to talk to him and it's just going to be over. So mm -hmm. it's better to keep it to my t myself than to tell everyone. And then everyone knows and they're like, oh, you're a victim. You you did you did this. Yeah. Or this happened to you. What's crazy about things like that, too, is it's almost always something that's been happening for generations. And I know. Hiding the pedophile in our family. Yeah, like protecting, the protecting the abuser is mm -hmm. what I, I labeled it when I finally opened up and vented to a family member about certain gripes I had within our family dynamics and protecting abusers. It's uh, it's one of those things that drives me to empower women and and 
try I'm like I champion women mm -hmm. all the time and a lot of that stems from pain mm -hmm. yeah and and seeing how women even in our culture right mm -hmm. from where we're from it's not abnormal to hear about pedophilia within the family yeah or molestation or you could even just look at the stats of Guam Right. Literally on the news to on, on the news every day, multiple stories for all and it's not new. It's it's never been new. I've known it since I was a child. My the women in that I descend from, mm -hmm. and I'm sure in your line as well, that family member's not new to the family, you know? Um and then you circle that back to trying to be a parent and create that safe space where you want your child to talk to you because you know all the secrets you kept yeah. from your family, mm -hmm. your parents, from people yeah. that, but did you feel safe to confide in them in it? And did were we empowered with the knowledge to help us even open up yeah. and talk about it? You know, that, that only way you get through it and process it is when you're finally talking about it. Mm -hmm. You know, the first time you talk about it is with your husband. That's yeah. the first place you felt safe. Mm -hmm. open up yeah. and that happened when like three years ago three years I was like ago. 20 <laughs> or like, like 23 like carrying it for how long 20 I was 23 when I told it yeah so like oh, it happened so I was probably like before elementary school mm. and it was like so it happened because my mom was always my parents were always working and they didn't have babysitters so we would always be at our cousin's house yep yeah and no one watched us <laughs> yeah and you know boys when they get older they're like older than me so he's always mm -hmm. they were curious yeah. yeah and me being young i didn't know what they were doing yeah i didn't know it was wrong until i became of age i was like yes it's wrong that was wrong mm -hmm. yep and he had like there was this one time where he had the guts i was like 16 and i was already understanding things yeah and then he was like, remember what we were used to do when we were young? I was like, you're fucking out of your mind. I was like, you fucking what? I love the way abusers remember that. Yeah, they're like, remember what we used to, can we do it again? I was like, bro. Mm. I was looking, I was like, bro, this is crazy. Mm. Like, I broke down. I was like, this guy is crazy. Yeah. What makes him think it's okay, even at this age? Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, crazy. It, Women it, issues, man. It's such a different I, point of view, though. Yeah. I, Probably. I don't know. Not No, I mean the, I'm trying to formulate it into a thought, but the power that when you feel unempowered or powerless, yeah. holding on to who knows being the, power. the only power that you have, mm -hmm. it's a very weird point of view for me yeah. I guess I don't know how to say it weird is a bad word but it's it's different baffling that I have to have some power and just uh, imagining how okay. powerless you feel yeah by the only way you get to keep power is who gets to know about it yeah and how alone it feels I mean that you must have felt or do do feel about your your childhood I think there's a lot that goes into why um, women and even men, right? Because it also happens to men. It does. But why victims keep it close to the chest is, is, I think it's a combination. You know, 
Are people going to believe it? Can I prove it? What can they really do about it? How does this change the family dynamics? I mean, when you grow up on Guam, majority of the time you're growing up in poverty too. Mm -hmm. So if you take away this person who's helping watch your kids, what does that mean for your, your ability to provide for your family and go to work? So families are struggling with making decisions based off of just surviving. Yeah. It always feels like you're in survival. And then the child themselves, they're growing up in these environments. You as the child, you're picking up on the things too, right? Mm -hmm. On all the ways that you probably depend on this family member and not even really knowing. So one, you didn't know. Yeah. Two, who can you tell? Yeah. When you finally did understand it happened so long ago. Yeah. And am I prepared for this confrontation and for this secret to be known by people? Because there's also shame carried in it. Yeah. Once you tell it, it's like now it's real. Real. Yeah. There's so much power in telling your truth, but there's also a lot of fear in it as well. Yeah because you don't know how other people are going to receive it. Or view you. Or view you, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'll you that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> no, right? Nope. I think it happens a lot yeah, more often than people say. It's, and for me, having boys, I'm, I'm just, I can't imagine. You know that it's used as a way to just completely break a man down as well. Right. Um. And I just, I could it not does. expose, yeah, it completely. I mean, if you look at any, any culture who may have dangled in things like that, it's to break a man's manhood, to make him compliant. Yeah, compliant. And some, some cultures would do it in front of the whole village, right? Or the whole community. Yeah. Just so that. They felt like nothing. And I don't ever want my boys to experience something like that. So they were always only left with myself, my husband, my mom, my sister, or my brother. Even at that, I'm still very controlling of it. Like, what did you do? What did you feed them? Who are they around? Yeah. Who came by? That's not healthy. That's not normal. Um, but also, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, guys. I mean, we've all been through this. I'm <laughs> good for I know. Yeah. Good for yeah. speaking your truth finally. I know. It, it felt like, even if it did take a while, it felt so weird to telling him, like, I was like, I felt so sensitive. Yeah. I was like, God, oh, why I didn't like telling my story. I was like, I didn't want to feel sensitive. How did you feel after you opened up to your husband about it, though? It was worse. <laughs> It was worse because he's like, eventually you're gonna have to tell your mom, like, mm. and that's when I, yeah, yeah. with reason, right? You have to tell somebody, like, it has you have to break that cycle. Because what if he's doing it to your other cousins, or yeah. what if someone else? What if you had a daughter? What if you had a daughter and then and all ended up around them? He's like, hell no. Oh, he, oh, he knows about it. He's like, even with our son now, like, our family has probably watched him. Like, my family has probably watched him. Like twice for an hour at the most and that's for us going to the gym and he's like okay well, let's go get him yeah like yep. he's and it's with my mom and my brothers and sisters like there he doesn't even trust my kid being at her house yeah 
There goes our trauma dictating yeah. our parenting. Right? <laughs> uh, two hours. That's long enough because a lot can go wrong in two hours. <laughs> yeah. I'm clocking this. This is down to the freaking. We gotta go. It's it's been too long. That's more than yeah, a episode. Yeah. yeah, but it's in your mind. It's there. It lives there, rent free, and it, it just does something to it, you. It, it dictates how you parent or live your life, or though, right? Your life. That's... And if we're not communicating. Mm-hmm. With our kids, they won't know why. Yeah. And having been extremely sheltered, mm-hmm. as you, yeah. it it just, it all has an effect. Everything has cause and effect. Being extremely sheltering, and I don't mean it, because we've all been through certain experiences that we don't want to talk about or relive, but being able to communicate with our kids instead of trying to protect them because being extremely sheltered affected the way that I parented my children yeah, and making them not feel or attempting in my own way, not knowing anything to keep them from being sheltered. But what kind of situations might I have put them in by trying to get them out and to be around people and It's all cause and effect. And I've told this story before with you, but seeing the effect down the road, having older children, uh, completely different related topics so that we don't go anywhere uncomfortable. My son, my middle son is playing pots and pans like drums. Right. And... I'm working nights. Mm-hmm. I want to sleep. Angry dad comes out screaming, hooting, hollering, get these pans out of here. This, and this. He's having the time of his life. Doesn't know anything. Experiencing like, oh, wow, I'm making music. <laughs> you know, and I took that from him. Tell you something he never wants to do is play instruments, learn how to do any of this. But he was super musical and was into all of that kind of stuff. And then you get upset one time or take that because we're, you know, we're there for them. But if you show them a side of, I never want to be there again. Yeah. And how that affects 10 plus years down the road. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't see it till then. And you're like, Hey, let me, let me help you rekindle this love for X, Y, and Z. He's like, no, but, you remember yeah, the one time you did? He doesn't even remember it, though. You don't need, like, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. He just knows. He don't want to pay. He's not in no. anymore. He just made that connection, like, I ain't doing this shit. So. Could be a feeling. Th- th- there's definitely a line for the balancing acts of sheltering and not sheltering, or explaining and not explaining. It's just, it's really hard being a parent. It's really hard. It is. But. All of it has cause and effect. Mm-hmm. Your experience and how you parent your children, your experience and how you parent your children, your concerns for everybody and from your experience and wanting to shelter them, but then not wanting to shelter them because you were sheltered. <laughs> but I have to shelter them because that I have to, right? Because something bad oh. might happen. And It's a balance, man. I just... Truth and... Speaking to them so that they know why is yeah. is just hearing all of these stories. 
explaining I'm by no means a psychologist yeah. or a parent coach. I'm just saying the explaining as right. to why what? so far coming from, you know, zero to 10 and then 10, yeah. 15, just why shut up, don't think you're going to do is not Mm-mm. the answer. But if that's how you were raised, that's your natural reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And then they stop asking why. Yeah. You're like, no, like, I want to explain this to you. So if they do ever ask, come on, take a seat, let's talk about it. But explaining the why, explaining the truth, letting them know the reasons that these things are happening so that they don't, that was negative. I don't want to do this. I'm going to do this later. Right. When you're just trying to protect them. Yeah, but what what is protection and how does it? Yeah, I guess. how does it apply later in life yeah. to something other than my parents wouldn't let me do this? And it circles back to the beginning of the conversation of if I'm not allowed to do that, that's what I want. Oh, <laughs> I need to do this thing. Press the button. Press the button. I think think I think something because I know down the road that I'm gonna have to have co- uncomfortable conversations with my kids mm-hmm. about my life experiences especially with my daughter um and i'm i'm also going to have to explain to them why their grandfather is not in their life mm. why and my my kids are are very aware that my biological mother their grandmother is is dead and we have a picture of her in our home and it hangs up in our living room and they know who she is they they've been pointing at her since they were babies they I don't know. My mother visited them when they were younger. They, she's always a spirit around us. She's she's always around us. She's always with me, and I carry her with me. Um, and my kids pick up on that. They know who she is. They've never met her ever in their entire life, but they know. And they even as babies were over my shoulder and would point at my mom. So I know that she's visited them. I know that they are um, in her or she's in their life uh, in some shape or form, whether that be energy or dreams or whatever it is. Um, And so they have an understanding a little bit of why they have a different grandmother that's not mommy's mom. And my aunt took that rollover when my mom passed away. Uh, So she's grandma. But my aunt is married to another woman, so there's no, that's just Grandma Lynn. <laughs> that's, so she, and my husband's dad is not really in the picture. Um, he is, he's not, like I, we were talking about earlier, he's kind of like a gypsy. He's like mm-hmm. a floating, he's a floating parent. <laughs> so now that his kids are old and grown, he feels like he doesn't have to communicate with them um, or really parent or be a dad. He's just kind of like the guy that calls when he's got a cool new toy or something. He's like their buddy. So, um, and then my dad is not in my life because he's a pedophile. Mm -hmm. Um, Very known thing. I'll tell anybody that because the more people who know, the better off they are, and so am I. Um, So, but one day I'm going to have to explain to them why their grandfather's not in their life and why their uncles are not in their life. Mm -hmm. Um, And... That's, I mean, it's years down the road, years down the road for me, but it's still a conversation I think about. It's still something that's kind of in the back of my mind that I'm going to have to give them the why one day. And right now, because they're so young, you know, I'm obviously, we're not going to, you know, not have any kind of conversation. I just, and by the time we do have the conversation, I'm, I'm hoping that 
you know, I'm not going to just like shatter their whole world, you know, like, yeah. oh my God. And, and the, I think the other scary thing is, is that should I, as their mother, as wanting to protect them, keep them from having those relationships because I can only do so much, you know, like I can't, can't tell Olivia when she's 22 years old that she can't have a relationship with her grandfather. I can give her the reasons why I can give her all the examples. Her grandmother can give her all the examples because my aunt grew, grew up, you know, when well I grew up, like, you know, was with experience, what my mom went through, my biological mom went through with my father and what my sister went through. She was there for all of it. So she knows firsthand experience exactly what happened to my sister and what happened in our family. Um, so, you know, I can't, you know, I can't tell her. I'm, I'm just hoping, you know, she's like, okay, yeah, no, he's not, not cool. Not the vibe, you know, I'm not going to, not going to contact him, but I can't stop him from trying to contact her when she's an adult. I can't stop her uncles from trying to contact her am I getting a protection order when I get back to Washington from my brother absolutely a thousand percent um but I can't I can't stop it once they're they're older yeah all I can do is give them the tools and like and, and give them the explanation why and I grew up in a sheltered environment. I grew up very, very, I call, I used to call it caged. I didn't call it sheltered. I said I grew up in a cage because that's exactly what it felt like. And I had to earn my freedom. And I didn't even know it until I was way older that I grew up like this. Like I got to college and my friends are all like, oh yeah, you know, when I, I was going to sleepovers, I was doing this and that. I'm like, oh yeah, my dad, my dad had to, um, didn't let me go to sleepovers. All my friends had to come to my house and they're like, mm, that's weird. I didn't even know that was weird. <laughs> didn't know. And if you stayed at my house on a Saturday night, you had to get up and go to church with us on Sunday. Mm. That was not an option. Like you couldn't just, we couldn't just stay home. Like I don't feel like I had a normal teenage girl childhood, I guess, because the second I was out of the house, the second I was actually allowed to do something, I did exactly what they said I was going to do. I went absolutely insane. I went to call, went off to college on a full freaking ride, and I blew it. I blew it in the first semester. I, the first semester of college, I had a one point seven coming out GPA, one <laughs> GPA coming out because all I did was drink and smoke pot. Because guess what? My parents never let me do experienced life, yeah. anything at all. Never talked to me about why this is what, why I shouldn't be doing this, or why this was bad. They just said this is bad, this is a sin, this is going to send you to hell. And as I got older, I didn't give a crap. I didn't care anymore. I didn't yeah. want to go to church. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't believe in it. I stopped believing in God. I stopped believing in all that stuff. Like, I was like, no, you're just shoveling it down my throat. Why, why would I want to believe this? And my dad's way of parenting was to make me feel like crap. And was just like, you're, your guilt trip yes he's like you know because narcissistic personality is everything is a reflection on them and everything i do makes him look bad like makes him a bad person and it yeah. makes him look bad so i had to stop doing the things that i was doing to make sure that he looked good and i never wanted to upset him i never wanted to make him look bad i wanted him to be proud of me i wanted to be the child that he always wanted because my dad has three other kids besides me to my two oldest brothers and my youngest brother. And my two oldest brothers, I guess, saw through his shit when they were all <laughs> their whole life. 
yeah. um, because they lived with their mom. And then my little brother was just like, he just got to do whatever he wanted to because he was my mom's favorite. Like, you know, you don't have favorite children, but yeah, he was the favorite. I get it. He was the baby. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got it. He was the only boy for my mom. So it scares me that there's a possibility one day that my dad could use his manipulative wherewithal, his narcissistic traits to manipulate her into having a relationship with him. And that's terrifying. Yeah. And that's where I think explaining the why to your daughter and you can make your own choices, but fair warning, warning label on this one, warning label on this family member. This is what I experienced, not saying it might be your experience, but this is why it is what it is right now will come into to play, you know, if you think about how much of the why was explained to you as a child and because it won't, yeah, but how much it would have prevented, how much damage it could have prevented if you knew the why ahead of time. Because I feel like we could go down a list of things that our parents didn't explain to us, right? Oh, man. And like, why didn't you tell me all this? Why didn't you? Oh, my God. You know, I could go into a whole rant about that for pregnancy. I was great. Like, you want to do a whole podcast on having a bunch of women talk about all the grossness of pregnancy? Because I want to write a book. (laughs) I want to write a book. I'm serious. (laughs) I want to write a book because even, even nowadays it's like people are like, oh, they don't, they don't tell me anything. I'm like, and you have to think about it. Our moms, you know, when we got pregnant, our moms hadn't been pregnant and however old we are. Okay. (laughs) So much has changed since then. Like the first time I got pregnant, I was 26. Yeah. And I was, my mom was dead by that point. (laughs) I had my aunt and she hadn't had a kid in 20 something odd years either. And, you know, she just could tell you all the horror stories about birth and how she was split from one end to the other. I'm like, Mom, that's not what I want to hear, bro. Nice to get the Mel's perspective, too, on on yeah. how they experienced what, birth. What was your, yeah, like, what? how did you feel being in the delivery room, watching the woman that you love, the woman that you've watched grow your child? Yeah. Go not through. One, not twice. Experience that. That's champion and right like, there. What was your viewpoint on what it was like to to have your have a pregnant spouse and like experience that because I mean obviously we all like through yeah going through our mood swings and everything emotions yeah. <laughs> cravings and just suck it up and like oh my god she's doing so much I need to be happy I just have to love her to you <laughs> champion Bennett <laughs> there's so many questions and it's a very deep question we could do a whole podcast on this but well I I mean I'd I'd love to you know yeah uh, if you want Let's to do a round two on that you know yeah. on just you know, the childbirth perspective from both the men and the women. I, mean, I think Corey would love to jump on that one, too, honestly. I'm sure. Yeah. Honestly, I think he would be, be I down for that one. You know, I think all of our kids come from two-parent households, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah all of yeah. us knock on wood, right? <laughs> I, I, We're already doing better, right? We're all, right. all, all doing great. Not to, not, it's not to knock the single mothers or fathers out there, because, you know, I grew up in a hard parent household, but I also feel like I can see the benefit of it. And if if parents can uh, unite on on how to parents their parent their kids and how to be partners in it, it can be super beneficial for the children. Um, and I also feel like I, I I like to champion dads too because I'm a firm believer that you just got to give the dad the baby. 
Yeah. That's yeah. the only way that fathers can, one, bond and just learn their style. And then the child learns the father's style. Yeah, dad. It was loud. It was loud. <laughs> that was, that's going to be in the background for sure. I was like, whose bucket is that? <laughs> it sounds like someone's putting a bucket down. <laughs> yeah. We're getting really close to, unfortunately, to yeah to a time that yeah. I'm going to have to be able to pack up and, and move on to another appointment. But yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the pregnant, no, I, I didn't even realize I had an appointment, but it's a going away. Yeah. And they're, they're leaving the same as. Yeah. So like when are when are we gonna be able to to say to say goodbye? Yeah. Yeah. But which just brings up all the emotions with you leaving. But uh, I'm free for the next two, three weeks. I know. So let's just go ahead and call it now with mm-hmm. we're gonna have to do one more. Yeah. I think pregnancy is a a really interesting topic if you're not going with the this is this and this is that and this yeah, is yeah. Stu and Brooke and then breathe like that. Yeah. Like, and I'm pretty. So I didn't do none of them classes. I didn't do any of those breathing techniques. I just winged it. And no one told me anything different. Everyone's woman everyone every woman's experience is different too. Like my would be different from hers, mm-hmm. from hers. Especially and I only I'm have the outside. You know, I have no idea. But I feel that's like so important. So important though, because I could not have done it without my outsider. I could not have done it without Corey. Like I, granted, obviously, I wouldn't have been pregnant three times, but you know, mm. I I could not have done it without him. And even though he played such a small part in the birthing process in itself, and especially with my second one, with it being COVID, and he was barely there. He literally ran in the room, and then two seconds later, my son was out. Mm. You know, I still couldn't have done it without him. And mm. even him not being in the room for the third one. Because of the COVID and him being in the Akuska and the Navy Lodge and all that stuff and taking care of our other children. I, I still, I would love to see see it through. Their lens. Yeah, yours and his. Yeah. And I'll tell you I, what I could have done without. I, I would have rather been the driver than the passenger, honestly. Because at GMH, they put that mirror in front of my cooch to yeah. encourage me to push. And I was like, take that shit away. Absolutely. I, it's all my stuff in a way that I've never seen it before. No, that was in my birth plan. I don't even. Not watching myself give birth. I'm not, what, is it going to go back? And I was my first, my first child, and they're going to put a mirror in front of tra- in front of me and traumatize me? Like, I don't know how you guys can see all of that and be like, fine. I know some men have passed out. Oh, yeah. I was about to pass out when I saw my shit. I was like, I got that. What is that? What is, what what is that for? Like, why is that even a thing? That was not encouraging. I could have done without the whole fucking oh mirror, and it was like the the top view, mm. <laughs> like right angled. <laughs> Jesus, right on it. <laughs> I was just like, it's a good idea. What is this sh- stupid ass? Whose idea is this shit? <laughs> I am not pushing. They're like, you got to push. Ah, take that mirror. They're like, close your eyes. And concentrate. And like, bitch, all I can see is my damn cooch. Even when I close my eyes. This is some bullshit. Yeah. No, not going to do it. Not pushing. And my mom's like, you punk-ass bitch. That's it. You know, I'm like, okay, let me go ahead and push then. Because she's calling me a punk-ass bitch and I can't let her be right. <laughs> right. Get her wrong. 
But yeah, I would love I would love to learn. I would love to hear from the outside. Yeah, from that, a dad's from you guys. Yeah, that's perspective. I don't like they get dismissed yeah, all I the do. time. I do. I really do. That's so bad, yeah. Daddies are the champions, man. And if if women can get out their own way, because I know this is probably not the best thing to say, but honestly, I, I do see a lot of moms who prevent dads from being able to parent how they parent. Get out of the way. Oh, for sure. Let them bond. Let them do their own thing. And, and that's what ends up happening. You build a household where if they're not going to go to mom, they're going to go to dad. That's your community, and your kids need that. So, yeah, yeah sorry, not sorry. I'm guilty. <laughs> yeah, get out the way. I always get out the way, Jen, to protect my baby. There's different things. I mean, I, I totally understand the instinct to want to protect our children, but the fathers have a different instinct as well when it comes to protecting. And the only way that they can grow that and learn, learn and, and strengthen what works for them is the same way that we do. Because mm-hmm. first-time moms don't have all the answers, and sometimes it's trial and error with our kids. Fathers have to have that same opportunity in order to be great at what they do, you know? And we all bring something different to the table. Mm-hmm. Dads have such a specific value, um, the same value that moms do. Mm-hmm. And and I got that advice from my brother, too. Because <laughs> I, helicop- I was helicopter mom on Jason. Like, why you do it that way? Why are you using that pamper? You got to put the cream before you put the pamper on. Now his ass is going to have a rash. Like, why? What are you? Why are you so stupid? You know, that's me. And my brother's <laughs> like, bro. <laughs> my brother's like, bitch. Like, let us. He, he was like, that's that's his that's his that's his kid, too. How'd you like it if he came over and was like, why are you just breastfeeding and not? Why aren't you giving him formula? <laughs> why are you using the formula? Why are you wasting acid? Yeah. Why not the right one? Exactly. You're not going to like that shit, neither. So yeah. let him do what he needs to do to be the dad that he's going to be, you know? And it was the best advice I ever got. It gave me some perspective, and I was like, I need to just step back. Unless you're beating the shit out of my son. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Like, to the point where it's like, what the fuck is happening right now? I'm going to beat your ass, and I need to step the fuck back. You know, let their relationship play out. Leaving the room helps. Leave the room. Leave yeah. the room. How many times I'd be like, just take the kids. Put your headphones on. scream. <laughs> and I'm like, put headphones on. on in there. Put earplugs in. Let them That's scream. advice I ever got from a pediatrician. Because <laughs> um, Olivia was colicky and she had acid reflux like a month. Yeah. So she's, my pediatrician said, hey, it's okay. You could put earplugs in. You can still hear her. <laughs> but babies cry when they have colic at a tone that kicks our kicks us into high gear. It makes us strung out like crackheads is the way she explained it to me, my pediatrician. And she says, put in soft earplugs. And when she cries, it'll be, you'll still hear it, but it'll be duller. And it's not going to trigger you as much. And you'll have more a calm mindset. And that is advice that Pro I give to every new mother. Because <laughs> when people have gassy, colicky, acid reflux babies, it's a constant crying. And it doesn't stop no matter what you do. And yeah. you start crying because you're already emotional. So yeah. that's my pro tip yeah. for all those moms out there that have colicky babies. I promise you, if you put your earplugs in, <laughs> you can still hear that yeah. baby and it will help you calm down calm to down. calm your baby down because yeah. they feed off of it. I promise. Look, my youngest is five five now. I just got out of the colic bounce. 
like where you stand when you're standing and you're still bouncing because you're standing. Yeah. <laughs> like I just stopped doing that. I can wait in line and stand still now. But before I used to have to sway, bounce because I felt like you know almost colic. Do you guys do that too? Do you have? Do you just like do the little sway? I, I would say that we well swaying or bouncing is from watching like. Yeah, the mother's doing it. Like, like this. <laughs> she's a pro. Yeah. She's just like, I don't know. I think this works. Yeah. Yoga ball. Head. Yoga ball. Yoga ball. Yoga ball. Yoga ball. So having where it be a football hole. It's can go like. Yeah. Great for gas. So great for gas. The colicky bounce. Yeah. Hold great for gas. Like this. And you're just like, yeah, we'll be fine. No, yeah. I promise we'll, we'll stop I, talking. No, I just want to keep going. Like, we're so into it now. But yeah. we are at two hours, and I do have to roll. And I know you all have appointments, too. Yeah. I just want to give so much thanks for you coming on and spending time and having a desire to do it again yeah. with We Shall. Yeah. But let's do it. Seriously, though, each each one, thank you so much for being here. And I look forward to doing it again. Thanks for having us. Thank you for, I was going to say that. Thank, Thank you, you for having, having us. We enjoy this. We love talking to you. Yeah, we love talking in general. Yeah. <laughs> so let's do it again, but I'm going to go ahead and say, let's go ahead and call it here. Yeah. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you.